Welcome to Goodwill Talk. We're so glad you're here today. At Goodwill Talk, you'll get to know your pastors, hear answers to your questions, gain biblical perspective on things going on in the world, and most of all, grow in your love for Jesus and the Bible. Let's listen in to today's conversation. Welcome back to the season nine finale of Goodwill Talk. Great to be with you today. This is Pastor Marcos, and I, as always, I am joined by Jessica Kilduff. Jess, how are you doing? I'm just great. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you enjoying life? Yeah. Having a good time? Yeah. So here's the thing. It's tax season. It's tax season. That's exactly. right. <laughs> you're tax season. That's what I was going to lead to. So you're, you're, um, you, you do some work during tax season. Yeah. Uh, yes. I Sorry, I was writing a note. Um, I, in my old job, just did that one company bookkeeping. Uh-huh. And I had like, you know, a couple other local small mom and pop businesses that I would help just, you know, kind of at this time of year. Right. But when I got laid off from that job last year, I really started kind of building my freelance business. And then I got two part-time jobs. And so now I have lots of freelance, com- you so know, like freelance many- work. And I don't know if you can say this. If you can't say this, then don't, don't answer it. But how many different companies are you helping through tax season right now? Probably 15. Uh, last, <laughs> last year I 15. did, last year I did 13. So probably, I mean, I do the church now and I do have my other, but I mean, I guess at my other job, I don't really do the taxes there. I do. kind so, of. So, I mean, when you're doing this kind of, um, uh, this is a stupid question, but what happens if you accidentally file the wrong person's taxes for the wrong person? That's like, not a thing. That I, well, I don't file taxes. Oh, you don't? don't. Do, oh, okay, no, 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 so you no, don't no. do that. You just I, help them get their I numbers pre- together. I prepare the books okay. so that they are in good order so that when the accountant looks at it, they say, ah, yeah, just plug in these numbers. I see. So you're, so you're busy I'm, season. I'm organizing the numbers so that the, the tax preparers can prepare, okay. can file. All but right. th- I mean, everybody like there's, there's no way to like intermingle people's information. It's just, just it's not a thing. That, it's that not a thing, thing that could happen. happen. No, this is, this is how knowledgeable I am about the world I'll of accounting it, and finances. If you can get them intermingled, you should not be doing books because <laughs> it would be very difficult. Like it would right. take a lot of work to do that. You have to be actually intentionally committing fraud you, to pull that off. Well, not even, not, no, not even fraud. I'm just saying like the way that the information gets in there, like you, you would really need to know books well to figure out how to put one information into another. And all along the way, it's going to be like, what are you doing? Stop this. Uh, so I'm like, you could never mistakenly do it. That's what I mean. Okay. okay. You could never right. be like, oh, I thought I was working on this person's, but I was actually in this person's. It's It just doesn't work like that. So you've got, um, I got some more. really busy season ahead of you, Yes. which means for season 10, which is coming up in just a week or two, Yes. Uh, Miss Jess Kilduff, you're taking a little bit of a break. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I we, thank you for that. Yeah. I, so I didn't ask for it. And Marcus was like, do you want? me to give you some time off (laughs) if you're gonna offer it yes please you've done nine seasons of the show yeah without a any break really i mean there's been an episode here or there that you haven't been on but like yeah you've been here for nine straight seasons and it's tax season and you have 15 different clients that you're working for i think it's fair to say hey why don't you take a why don't you take a breather (laughs) it sounds like lunacy when you say it out loud. It is lunacy, Jess. It is lunacy. It doesn't just sound like lunacy. It is lunacy. And to take a little bit of the lunacy off season 10, uh, you might make a like a guest appearance or something, but um, yeah, I might pop in. We'll, we'll see you again in, in season 11. You're not but, saying bye. You're just taking a deep breath. Well, it's, uh, yeah. 
Because I, I do try to put like some preparation into recording. Not always, right, but sometimes right. I try, you know, and I just, I don't have the bandwidth to do that right now. So, right. so, so you know. I appreciate that. And Enjoy then I'm going to go on vacation and I'm yes. going to come back refreshed. Ready to go. I just booked my tickets. Boom. Last night. I'm like ready. Put it All on right. the calendar. I got something to look forward to. The kids are like, how many days? A lot. It's a lot of days. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of days between now and then, but. Yeah. It, it's on the I calendar. I also have booked some tickets recently and I'll be sharing uh, when we get back from that trip where, where we went, what we did. And uh, I saw that come through. I'm very excited yes. to hear about that trip. Uh, it's going to be good in February. So in season, that's uh, a little bit of a teaser for season ten. I'll be sharing a little bit about what that trip was. And uh, if you come to the if you came to the congregational meeting, you got a little glimpse of that as well. So I'm excited for what God's doing. Um, we're not the only ones in the studio. We're never the only ones in the studio. We always we're have. We're the loudest. We're the loudest. <laughs> we have the third member of our crew, Jeff DeMatty, hanging out with us. And uh, he's not taking season 10 off because I'm not letting him. And uh, <laughs> Who pressed all the buttons? <laughs> yeah, who's going to do the funny drops? Come on. Come on, Jeff. There it is. See, there it is. You got the right one. which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had a plan for this episode that we just threw out the window because in between, uh, we, we normally record a couple episodes at a time. And we talk a little bit in between because we're human beings who talk to one another. And uh, we had a really fun preliminary conversation about worship music because Jeff is a worship leader here at Goodwill Church. Jess is a worship leader here at Goodwill Church. Um, you say that like that's equal. That's not. Okay, fair enough. But I'm not, but like you're involved in the worship ministry here. Yes. Um, I'm involved in the worship ministry at Goodwill Church, not just as a pastor, but also uh, I'm, I'm working with our worship team in Beacon and things like song selection and stuff like that as well. So, And you have a background in worship music. You and I've done it for a long led time. worship at other churches before you yes. became a pastor. Yeah. So I, um, I basically did Jeff's job for about seven years before I came to Goodwill. Um, so, you know. It, so Jeff will be a pastor seven years from now? Is that what it is? No, I'm way past seven. <laughs> yeah, how long have you been doing Oh, that's this? true, because I started on the worship team <sighs> 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more than 10. I was not pregnant. counting when I was you... pregnant with Natalie. Wow. And he came on not that long after. Not live. And not counting, like, when you were in diapers and playing the drums, but, <laughs> well, like... Before this building was built, I was over there. Right. You know? Right. So... Playing drums. How long have you been, not just involved in worship, in, in worship music, but the worship leader at Goodwill Church? You know... I've been thinking of that lately, and I really need to get the numbers down and figure exa exactly out how long it is, but I don't know. Um, it's been more than 10 years, though. It, I think so. Yeah. That's crazy. Ten, 10 is like a big number. It is. For, you know. So you've been doing this for a while, yeah. and, uh, and we're just going to talk a little bit about worship music, some of the stuff that we enjoy, some of the stuff that we enjoy, but maybe we'll never see the light of day at Goodwill, not because it's not good, but because it doesn't necessarily fit. Um, yeah. stuff like that. Well, you know? and that's sometimes people will come to you and they'll, oh, this song is great. I love this song. Me too. We're never going to sing it in church. <laughs> yeah. And it's not because it's a bad song or because there's anything wrong with it. It's just there. Like when you're singing on a Sunday morning, you are singing as part of a community of believers and not all congregational worship music or not all Christian songs are congregational right. worship music. Sometimes right. they are like best served with you having time with God and you like, you know, screaming them out in your car. Yeah. That's where they live. That's where they belong. They don't belong 
in a congregation on a Sunday morning so, singing that song. So there's a Christian, there's, there's a Christmas music song. That, Christmas? Christmas. Okay. That I really like and that I think we sing corporately maybe once a year, Oh Holy Night. Mm. Here's the thing. Oh Holy Night is a hard song to sing. Mm-hmm. That thing's got range mm-hmm. built into it, right? And congregants aren't necessarily, especially now, trained singers, right? But this is something that's happened. And, and um, this is just kind of my little bit of uh, music history for folks in the church. When we moved away from the hymnal, we also moved away, by and large, from the, from the musical education of our congregants. Most of our congregants no longer know how to read music. Right. Like right? there was a time when anybody in a church, like your average parishioner could open up a hymnal, you know, like g- be given a note and can sing but it. then be able to follow right. their part. So whether they sang the soprano part or the alto part or, you know, for the, the men, the tenor, or the bass, or sometimes the women, the tenor part too. Right. But, you know, like they would be able to be given that note and just sight read right. that song. And that's definitely a lost art. And and you could then learn a song within one or two times singing it because yeah. you're reading the music, right? I mean, we um, could owe a lot to music history to the church and to putting hymnals in people's hands. No so, question. Oh, yeah. you know, and so that that was a big thing that that blew up music, it's democratized music, music. Uh, education in general. No question. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool to think about. The church is is central to why music is as popular as it is because everybody used to know music much more intimately because they were they when they were in worship in church they were singing from a hymnal and um, or a missal or, or something they had something in their hand they could read the music they could do it um, that's changed and with that people's musical abilities have shrunk because they no longer have the need to be able to sing a hymn that's got like a 14 note range uh, most of our contemporary worship music is smaller in in range, and that's oh, just yeah. you know. Um, and and so Jeff, when you're picking songs to sing congregationally, just thinking not let's not get to the lyrical content yet, just the music itself. What are you, like? How do you define singability? Like how, how do you decide this is something a congregation the, can really uh, get their teeth on? I've got a higher voice. Um, so. Oh yeah. By the way, we know. Yeah. So My <laughs> goodness, sometimes we're just like. Because I sometimes once in a while I have to lead worship and I'm like, all right, what, what's the? And I look at Jeff's key and I go, oh, so I need to drop that by half. Yeah. That's well, insane. anytime you get the recorded version, you're gonna drop it by a step usually. No, yeah. no questions. No questions no, 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 asked. No, 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 no. You drop it by a step. Yeah. The rest of the world drops it by like four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Um, yeah. So I like to think like, if if it's a particularly higher song, uh, a female would be comfortable singing you know it'd be like a little bit lower for them but they would just sing it naturally and and not have to stress too hard and then males will, will sing the octave underneath um but you know some sometimes this and i typically like it, it's it's kind of a neat feature when a song is lower let's say the first verse is singing you know kind of a lower octave and then there's a chorus that's a lower octave, and then it jumps up. So it kind of shows everybody like the baseline of like, here's where we're singing. You know, a lot of times that first chorus, if it's lower, um, Jess or another uh, uh, female will sing the octave up, where the ladies will sing, and where I'll get there eventually. And so it's kind of nice, like it's it's all it's starting kind of starting kind of uh, light, but it's also establishing where ev- everybody can sing here. And then we bring up the intensity. I'll jump up an octave, and then. Um, 
it's just the intensity have gone up. Everybody's singing the same thing. Right, right. Um, just so, so that people who are listening may, maybe don't understand music language. Um, it's not man and woman in music. It is male and female. So people are like, why does he keep saying female and male? It's weird. That is, <laughs> that's, that's how you speak in music. That's, 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 those are your parts. Those are, that's the parts. Um, Jess, you are, uh, <laughs> we, we, we chuckle about it, constantly Sending Jeff music, being like, "Hey, <laughs> we should sing this one." No, it's slowed down. Uh, it's oh, has slowed it? down it's quite like, a bit. I'll yeah, say it's not. It's slowed down because yeah. I have slowed down in my music consumption because okay. I found yeah. a place I like to be. Really? And so, where's that? Well, because I've sent it to you. So about two years ago. No, I'm saying. I mean, I still, I still take in a lot of music. But a lot of the music now that I'm listening to, um, like on occasion, is not congregational music. It's music I want to listen to in the car. I'm not going to send it to Jeff because it's just for me. You know. So, so how do you differentiate in your own spirit what is a good Christian song for me and what's congregational? Um. So I think maybe the difference is worship. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So, okay. So I'll say this. I think a congregational song, I think that when the congregation is worshiping God through music, that it needs to be um, like maybe more theologically rich. I think it needs to be a place where people are learning um, who God is, who they are, um, thanking God. I, I think it needs to be a little bit more like, like that, like what God mm-hmm. has done for mm-hmm. the, for his, for people, right. You know, for, for all of, all of the church. And so I think that that's more, um, what I would lean towards on a Sunday morning. You know, I want God to be revealing who he is to the congregation through worship, just the same as he is through this, the, right. through um, the preaching of the word, sure. through the preaching of the word. Yeah. Sure. So, but on a, Thursday when I'm driving to work, like I like songs that remind me about how great God is. Mm. And you know, like they can be lighter and sometimes you'll sing it and you'll be like, Oh, Oh, that's a little cringy. Those, those lyrics, but like, I get what they mean. I, yeah. you know, I, they have a, a good intent behind the writing of the song. And even though there are some things that you're like, yeah. <laughs> I, I still love the song and I'm going to sing it. Yeah. And you know, I, I have a couple of those right now that, um, I won't ask you to name names. It's fine. You don't got to name the song. I can. I, I don't even to. mind. I mean, I, because I, then we have to get into why you think it's cringy and it becomes a whole different thing. Okay. Um, so then listen to that. But there's, yeah. so there's, a, so I, I think there's a place for, you know, like pop Christian music. Okay. That is not worship on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. but it definitely like fills a place in life. But I think that those worship songs on Sunday mornings are where you go like when you're having a hard time, yeah, they're not like you're light listening. And so I think that's where I've stopped sending Jeff so much music is because um, I'm just listening to a lot of what we do on Sunday mornings. Okay. Okay. And so, and, or a couple of years ago, I started sending him um, Shane and Shane has yeah. uh, um, Psalms volume two, specifically that album. Yeah. I started listening to a couple of years ago and just really, really love it. Like I still listen to it. Now I won't sit and maybe listen to the whole album. I have like a, what do you call, like a playlist okay. that, that all of that is in there and um, a lot of um, hymns and stuff. And so I really have found in the last two years that 
Like that's what I want to listen yeah. to. And so I haven't been sending him a lot because I already sent it. Right. Well, <laughs> and so finally, recently I was like, Jeff, are we ever going to start singing some Psalms? I really feel like we should sing some Psalms. Well, and you guys he just was, introduced one. Well, yeah. And right? well, and that's the couple weeks yeah. before that is when we had started talking about it okay. again. And he was like, actually, you know, that one that you sent me or that one album, he's like, that would really fit good. Which, so, which Psalm did so, you just introduce? So it's called Psalm 63. Okay. Um, and, and it's not like some, like, so it's, there are some folks who maybe have a, yeah, they <laughs> might have that. a background of Psalm singing That's where you have I a Psalter. She, she was like, we're going to start singing some Psalms. I was like, I don't like, think so, Jeff. <laughs> I thought she meant the Psalm singing. Yeah. I was like, I don't think so. Yeah. He's like, are we going to like buy Psalters? Like, how is this going to work? I was like, no, 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 no. I just I mean, forgot like, about it. Yeah. Giving yeah. people the word. So I think there's something, you know, like we are instructed by God to sing the Psalms. Yeah. And so I think there's. For me, something that like, it's just the words you need sometimes when you are just in a place that you just don't, you don't know. Well, and you don't know what to say and you don't know what to feel. And so like, you're kind of working through all the things. And I found that listening to the Psalms has really like been a good place for me to sit with all yes. of that. And so I said, you know, when you're thinking of music for a Sunday morning, like specifically with, um, bringing some Psalms into it is to make the Psalms accessible to people who like don't even know that that's what they're looking for. Yes. Well, and I mean, there's, so there's some modern arrangements, Psalm 63, uh, Shane and Shane do a Psalm 46. That's just stunning. One of my favorite. And I, I'll listen to that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but you know, people are like, Oh, we never sing Psalms. You actually, you, you sing a Psalm every single week. Yeah. The doxology is called the old 100 mm -hmm. because it is your singing Psalm 100. Um, so there, that is a part of, of what we do. I think that broadening that out and, and giving us access to the Psalms is a, is an exciting thing to do. I think, um, the old hymns of the church is something that we've talked about as well. Once in a while you hear that come through. Um, and, and in some branches it's more than in others. And that's just because of the nature, the, the personality of the worship leaders and that kind of thing. It's not a judgment thing. One is better than the other, No, but it's, it's a, by by leaning into some of the the richer history and the psalms being the very word of god that you get to speak back to the lord there's power in that there's some real power in that um I, I, my confession in this and the reason why i i don't i'm not sending my worship leaders a lot of stuff is i don't listen to a lot of worship music i just i i don't i i listen to a lot of classical music i listen to a lot of hard rock and heavy metal i listen to a lot of hip-hop um because in the christian world those two genres have really exploded yeah um the the worship music I listen to, um, and I am starting to kind of sprinkle in with my worship leaders are there's uh, Keith and Kristen Getty. Mm -hmm. um, they are uh, yeah, Keith. And if you're searching for them, they're the Gettys. The Gettys, uh, G E T T Y uh, apostrophe S. Um, the uh, Keith worked together with Stuart Townsend to write In Christ Alone. It's probably the most famous thing that they've put together. Mm -hmm. um, so that gives you an idea of this, the kind of songs that are out there. It's something called the New Hymn Movement that's really popular. So people might really enjoy the Gettys, Sovereign Grace Music, Indelible Grace, um, some artists who are, who are writing new hymns because hymnody is not old. Hymnody is a style. <laughs> and I have to sometimes like, no, it, you can write new hymns. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's not a hymn. Right. Um, it is a, is a new written, newly written hymn, and Christ Alone is a hymn. Just because it was written in 2000 doesn't mean it's not a hymn. Mm. Um, and so they've been part, there's been this like renaissance of new hymn writing. Um, and then there's, when I do, like I used to listen to constant worship music because that's what I did. 
Like I'd be looking at the most obscure artists constantly every week. There's new worship music that's coming out. I'd be listening to everything. Um, now I, I, there are some standbys and, um, I'm not necessarily endorsing the churches or the artists, but let me just bring that very clear. And we can talk about that in here in a second. Elevation worship puts out a new album. I'm listening to it. I want to hear it. So we just in beacon introduce graves into gardens, which is I think the title track of their latest, uh, worship album. They put out an album. I'm listening. Hillsong United puts out an album. I'm listening to it. Um, it's also I, good to know what the masses of yeah. Christianity is listening to, because that's what it, right. that's no what it is. So. What's, what's being fed to them. As a pastor, the, you want to check that out? The one area, I I was introduced to it more here at Goodwill than, than I had before. I never was introduced much to Bethel and Jesus culture. Those were artists that I just, I never, I listened to their stuff, but I was never super attracted to it. Um, although... <laughs> I, I'm the, you know, I have introduced a couple Bethel songs here because they're, when they get it right, man, they get it right. Um, but let's talk about this for a second. Jeff, when you're picking music and you've, you've got churches that are producing some of this that maybe don't fall in line with who we are as a church, you know, there's some, some really concerning things coming out of Bethel. Um, theologically, practice-wise, all of that. Yeah. Um, really concerning things coming out of Hillsong when it comes to theology and practice. Elevation, maybe not to the same level as Hillsong or Bethel. I mean, Bethel is kind of in its own category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you have Hillsong. And, and Elevation Church is a Southern Baptist church, but there's some concerning things that are happening at Elevation as well. When you're picking songs, how do you balance out where the song is coming from with the song itself? It's tough to do these days because uh, maybe five, six, seven years ago it wasn't as you know as looked at because mm. um, these kind of developments, I guess, in some of these churches have have grown the last five years or so, right? That's, yeah, yes, absolutely. That's very true. Um, but I mean, for me, it's it's kind of the same way you're talking about. Like, if if one of these major churches will put out um, a new album, you want to check it out, but it really ties back into what we were talking about before with uh, what makes a song congregational, you know. And I look at the main the main two things is are we singing about God or are we singing to God or both? Um, and those that's the starting point for me. So most of our worship songs aren't uh, us singing about ourselves as much, you know. I think if you look at our catalog, there's probably a couple. But predominantly needs to, you know, either be singing to God about Him, um, and that's kind of the starting point. So it's tough because a, a song can be just great. It could just, you know, like for me, a lot of things have to go right in order to bring a song from listening to it to introducing it on Sunday, because it's such a big. Um, I always look at it as a big. Not only is it a big responsibility for a worship leader to introduce a song in a worship service, but it's also like a huge commitment. I look at it for the congregation um, because typically people don't like to hear new songs, you know, when when you're expected to sing along and and participate. So I always look at it as like, I never want it to be the type of, uh, you know, new song every week type of worship program. So I've never, I've never done that but it's 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 a big commitment for congregants as well well i mean let's talk about that for a second right because we were talking about the when the hymn was out there you could learn it in a, in a week or two mm-hmm. that's not the case anymore you're hearing it 
for a lot of folks, cold. You've never heard this song before. You then have to do a lot of work right up front. You're trying yeah. to learn the melody. And well, there's different melodies, right? Because verse and mm -hmm. the chorus and the bridge are all different melodies, related but different. Yeah. You yeah. then have to try and figure out what the words are saying. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into introducing a new song. So I got to introduce it a lot of times in a row. Like there's a whole method to introducing new music. But you're right. Like you try and do it every week. Mm -hmm. You're you're crushing your congregation. Well, here's here's something interesting too. Is like you got the, you know, generations of we have the hymnal, we can read it, but then you have our generation, which is oh, it's maybe our sweet. musicians but it's all in the same generation. What? Sorry, keep going. Oh yeah, you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Maybe our, <laughs> maybe our you know our congregants, our musicians aren't uh as classically trained but music is arguably more accessible these days right um it's you know if somebody can read a hymn and read music you know they can read it or these days you find a song that you like that you hear in church or wherever and you can listen to it 10 times in a row mm -hmm. doing whatever you want or you got the angle of different musicians you can just pick up a guitar, learn a couple things, and you're a musician now. You know, you can... It, it wasn't as accessible, I don't right. think. It was accessible in other ways because everybody played music. But, um, yeah, I think... I don't remember where we were getting at, but I think well, that's I mean, important. It is important. And and because the, the music that we're hearing regularly is simpler, melody-wise, like, it really, Christian worship music owes a lot to the pop music um, movement that, that yeah. you know, from the 70s on through... And, and I think what we have to do is say, okay, there is, there is value in the new hymn movement, but it is more difficult for folks who are regularly um, absorbing pop music. That's just what is, that's what is most readily available. But that's been all of Christian music for forever. It's always been, you know, like way, 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 way back. Mm -hmm. They were taking the pub songs mm -hmm. and making yes. them Christian songs because everybody knew that tune. Right. And so you're just putting mm -hmm. new lyrics to it. So, you know, like it's not different nope. in the, in the, the nature of it. It's just different in the, what the music is. Right. We should go to the bars and see what people are singing these days. We should not. See if we can uh, a, pull a gem out of there. Terrible. Terrible recommendation. This is why we don't give you a mic. See if we, we give him a mic and he's out. sending people to the bar. Yeah, we can see if we can pull it. No, I mean, no, no. no. What, he's not yeah. sending. He's that's saying our... we should go. No. She's not like, go bar hopping. No, he's saying we should go and listen to music and see if we can write a worship song. Joking, seeing oh, what people oh, are singing. Oh. You know, if there's like any bar tunes that they sing without radio or something and then, and then we'll change the lyrics. You know, a great place to do it would have been England with all the uh, the the songs that are sung in the soccer stadiums. Oh, oh man, Turn it's basically those into a bar. Music, basically a bar. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> so, um, no, but I, I think you know, getting back to the to the question of who we sing, the the singing of a song is Goodwill Church singing a song. We are endorsing a particular song, and um, we are not endorsing particular artists. And I think that that's really important. Like we, we have a, our worship leaders have a process of choosing a song and saying, we believe this song accurately reflects who we are as a church and our theological commitments. Right. And um, it does not mean that we believe that the author of this song is in line with where we're at. And I think a really good example of this is the author of Come Thou Fount. Come Thou Fount is like a favorite hymn right now. Everybody loves this hymn. The person who wrote it by the end of his life died, I believe, in a drunken stupor, completely atheistic. 
does that mean we toss yeah, come thou right. fount because the source is no we don't like the it's not that the source doesn't matter the source should make us be even more clear is this song correct because the the source does have some weight but it, it shouldn't be a complete canceling out well the source is bad therefore the song is is bad a lot of these songs are being written for the the broad consumption of the Christian world. And so they're not going to be leaning in, right. at least with their most popular music, into the more obscure parts of their theology that can be incredibly concerning. Yeah. Um, yeah it's typically why they stay Trinitarian in nature. Right. And like how many major or, you know, religions in Christendom start with that? Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's accessible now to all these well, and, and you know, we have the essentials of the faith as a part of who we are as Goodwill Church and part of our denomination. And um, we, uh, we, we actually went through an exercise, a couple of us pastors uh, with some of our worship leaders working through the essentials and just saying, hey, do the songs represent our essentials? That being said, we're done. This is the end of season nine. Really? Congratulations, oh. Jess. <laughs> season nine is complete. How are you feeling about that? Hallelujah is correct. Yeah, we've done it. We've gone through nine seasons of Goodwill Talk. Season 10 starts up, I think, next week. I don't think we have a special episode separating the two. Um, so next week, season 10 pops off. And Jess, you're not going to be with us. We're going to miss you. I'll come back. I know you I know you will. No. I'll be around. There's, there's no, I might come. No, you're coming back. That's oh, no, a, no, no, no. Like, I, I mean, I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming back. Yeah. I just mean... I'll like, I'll probably pop in. I'm sure you'll pop in for something. We'll, okay. what we'll I'll, do. I'll just keep an eye on what your topics are. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll come in for that one. I'm diving in. I'm diving in. Yeah. <laughs> that one will take less preparation for me. We're setting this up. You're going to miss like one episode no, next season. But I, I definitely will miss more than one. Yeah. You, you need a break. I need, and some, I need a break. I just need to not do this so I can do the other work. things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jess, thank you for nine awesome seasons. We're going to miss you for season 10, but you'll be back in the near future. Yes. Uh, and we will be back next week with another episode of Goodwill Talk. See you in season 10. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like our show, please leave us a five-star rating, write a review, and be sure to tell your friends to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Check out our episode notes for links to our church website and any resources shared on this episode. Editing and sound design by Jeff DiMatti. Marcos Ortega wrote this episode. Our executive producers are Mike Antonucci, Jeff DiMatti, and Tracy Johnson. Your co-hosts are Pastor Marcos Ortega and Jessica Kilduff. A special thanks to Goodwill Church for supporting this show so we may provide it to you, our listeners, for free. Let's talk again next week.